I just want to apologize to everyone this morning. I put my shovel away yesterday. <laughs> so I will take responsibility. For those of you joining us online, we're so glad to have you worshiping with us this morning. And it's so good to be in church. You know, one of my goals for this year has been to be more hydrated. Anyone uh, trying to be more hydrated this year? Anyone? Did you know that 75% of Canadians are dehydrated? Did you know that? Doctors say that 75, like three out of four of us need to drink more water. And so I've been trying to make it my goal this year uh, to drink more water as I, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s now. And so I'm realizing, you know, that my skin is, you know, lacking that youthful glow. And, you know, I'm just trying to drink more water, you know. And I heard that it's supposed to help me lose weight too. So if I feel full of water, maybe I won't, you know, be full of hunger or something like that. Anyways, that's one of my goals. But, uh, you know, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I found about this goal, like many goals, is that uh, the, the annoying thing is that it's not like you can get hydrated like one day and then it like carries over to the next. You ever notice that? It's like it's a daily thing. You have to like refill every day. And I think there's a spiritual truth in that, isn't there? And uh, so I want to talk to you this morning about this idea of being refreshed. Now, uh, have you ever noticed that not all drinks satisfy and quench your thirst the same? Like, I'm dreaming again of this Okanagan summer where we're going to have those hot, hot days and uh, we're going to need to go to 7-Eleven and get a slushie. Anyone love a slushie? I love a slushie. I love a slushie. It's so good. It's so refreshing. But the thing about a slushie to me is that it leaves me thirstier than when I started. You ever notice that? You ever get like a Starbucks, like iced coffee, latte, whatever it is, and, and you drink it and it's so sweet and it's cool, but at the end of it, you're like thirsty. I, I love going out to eat and I love to have breakfast. Breakfast is one of my favorite meals of the day. And so I often will go with Holly's parents and Holly's mom always orders a coffee and a water. A drink and a drink. I need a coffee. Have you ever noticed that? There's some drinks that don't quench, they don't satisfy, and they actually leave you thirstier than you were in the first place. And there's a reason for that. It's because drinks that have sugar, caffeine, and alcohol in them actually trigger hormones in your liver that travel through your bloodstream to the hypothalamus in your brain and triggers the thirst in your body. So that's a true thing. That's true. Now you've learned something at church today. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you are like, okay, all right. And uh, yeah, not a lot of cause for celebration. No Cowboys in the Super Bowl this year. But I do have a true football story for you today, okay? The year was 1967. And it is in the heat and the humidity, humidity of the Florida swamplands. University football players are falling victim to one of the most devastating opponents they've ever faced. It was dehydration. The trouble was discovered and it was realized that the players were never leaving the field to use the facilities in the locker room during games. No one ever had to go pee. And so the doctors noticed this and they began to perform several tests and they discovered that the players weren't being properly hydrated. Their performance often fell short as they struggled with heat-related illnesses. They had heat stroke, they had muscle cramping and exhaustion. And so a result of their research is that they developed a new carbohydrate electrolyte beverage that, unlike water alone, seemed to keep the players hydrated. 
And because of this beverage, the team had fewer problems with dehydration. They showed greater endurance and actually developed a reputation for uh, outperforming other teams late in the game. They, they had this reputation from coming from behind. And in fact, that year they won their very first Orange Bowl with a come-from-behind win. Now, since this day, the beverage that they invented has become the most researched sports beverage and has been found on sports fields the world over. And you can probably imagine which football team I'm talking about is the University of Florida Gators. And the drink is called Gatorade. This series is brought to you by Gatorade. If you were here last week, you remember, win from within. Someone said yesterday, they said we should celebrate church like we celebrate football games. They said at the end of the service, we're going to get a Gatorade bucket and dump it over our pastor. And uh, that's what they said they were going to do. So I brought my own Gatorade, so no need to do that today. Now, I want you to stay hydrated. You should bring your Stanley Cup to church or your Hydro Flask or your Yeti mug or Nalgene bottle, whatever you use. I want you to stay hydrated. But I want to talk to you this morning about a different kind of thirst and a different kind of refreshing. See, in John chapter 4, Scripture records a meeting between a woman and Jesus. And it's a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And so this woman discovered that Jesus was already well aware about her thirsty condition for her soul. And she discovered quickly that Jesus was aware of how she was trying to quench that thirst. That she had a string of failed relationships Five ex-husbands and now with a new boyfriend. She'd been trying to find fulfillment, identity, purpose, security, self-worth in these relationships. And as they stood by the well, filling their water bottles, Jesus said this to her in John 4. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, this isn't the only time that Jesus talks about this living water. In fact, in just three chapters from now, in John chapter 7, we'll see that he mentions it again. Now, for context, in John 7, Jesus is at a religious festival. It's a Jewish feast. It's the Feast of Shelters, or, or Feast of Tabernacles, as it's known. And, and this feast is a seven-day celebration by the Jewish people of God's um, provision for them as they crossed the wilderness. As they left Egypt on the way to the Promised Land, they were in full reliance and dependence on God for his provision in the midst of that desertness for food and for water. And God proved himself faithful. And so they have this celebration, the Feast of Tabernacles. And we come to John chapter 7, verse 37. And it says, On the last day at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. John records now in verse 39, he says, When he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. If you were here last week, you know that we started a four-week mini-series on the Holy Spirit. And we saw that as Jesus was preparing his followers for his return to heaven, he could see their sadness. 
You could see their confusion. They wanted to be with him. They wanted Jesus to, to lead them and to teach them. But he said to them this phrase, he said, it's to your advantage that I'm going away because I'm sending you someone else. Not a, someone different, someone just like me. Remember we talked about Alos Pericletos, another one like me. And he won't be limited as I've been in one place at one time, but he will be with you always, and not only with you, but he will be in you. Last week we talked about the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, Jesus left us with one of the greatest gifts this side of eternity, the gift of his Holy Spirit. Now, what I found over the course of my ministry and life is that while many believers are aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in the Trinity, there's a lot of uh, confusion or misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit's role in our everyday lives. You know, there's a, uh, a tendency to think or treat the Holy Spirit like a supporting character to God's story. You know, if we have God the Father and Jesus the Son, those are the main characters, and often we can think of the Holy Spirit like a side character and an accessory popping up here and there, but nothing could be further from the truth. You know, we see in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2, at the very formation of the earth, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. He was involved in the creation of the world. In the Old Testament, we see time and time again that the Holy Spirit would come upon God's people and would empower them for tasks and for uh, special abilities, the ability to lead and to prophesy, to use wisdom and discernment. 1 Samuel 10, it says Samuel was changed into a new person because his spirit was upon him. I love the story of Samson in Judges 14. It says that in this moment, Samson is confronted by a lion. And so the Holy Spirit came upon him and he tore that lion apart as if it was a lamb. How many have ever been on a hike in the woods? How many, you know, if you came across a bear or a mountain lion, you'd be praying in tongues and asking the Holy Spirit to give you this special <laughs> gift, Right? And, uh, you know, whoever's more spiritual can fight the lion and the rest of us will run, right? <laughs> it's amazing. We see that Jesus is conceived by the power of the Spirit. We see that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit, my friends, is not a supporting uh, actor to the, to the main characters of Christ and the Father. We see that the Trinity, God the Father, uh, the, the God is one, but in this one we see three persons of equal uh, uh, of, uh, power, they're co-equal. Now the word spirit is translated in the Old Testament as the ruach. The ruach, you might want to say that, it's kind of fun, ruach. And the ruach is the wind or the breath, it's the exhalation. In the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma, it's breath or air in motion. We, we know this word pneuma, the pneumatic is, you know, using air for, for power, for purposes. And so we see these words and with this description, we can understand how it's tempting to think of the Holy Spirit as a force. I remember growing up as a kid, I always thought, you know, like the Star Wars, you gotta use the force. And it's kind of like this tapping into the force or this power to tap into or to be moved by. But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a divine person, co-equal with the Father and the Son. We see through Scripture that the Holy Spirit possesses personal attributes. Many times he's referred to as a he, uh, is given this personal pronoun multiple times. He has personal characteristics. The Bible talks about the Spirit having uh, intellect, uh, having emotion, having will. 
And we see the interaction that we have with the Holy Spirit. It's one of a personal relationship. The interpersonal interaction. The Holy Spirit will teach us, guide us, testify about God who will intercede for us. We see that the Holy Spirit can be grieved and the Holy Spirit can be resisted. And so we know the Holy Spirit is not a force to tap into, but a person to partner with. Let me say that again this morning. This is what we need to understand. The Holy Spirit is not a force to tap into, but a person to partner with. So here in the middle of this religious festival, commemorating God's faithful provision in the midst of their ancestors' wilderness journey, Jesus stands up and declares that not only does God quench the thirst of our bodies, but he satisfies the thirst of our souls. He talks about the refreshing Holy Spirit. The refreshing Holy Spirit. This morning I want to talk about two, I love that song we just said, we could, we could talk endless days, we could write endless pages about the goodness of God, but I want to talk about two ways the Holy Spirit brings refreshing to our lives. And the first one is it's refreshing to know you're not alone. You ever, ever had someone come alongside of you and you're just like, it's just so good to know I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit brings closeness. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But it's also refreshing to know that you're not on your own. It's not in your own power or in your own strength that there's actually a power and a strength greater than yours that is available and accessible to you. So Jesus' final instructions to his disciples as he's ascending to heaven, he says, I want you to go and wait. Acts chapter one says, do not leave Jerusalem till the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Next week, we're going to spend some time talking about the gifts the Holy Spirit gives and how we can partner with him in their use. Uh, but for today, I want us to think about this amazing promise from Jesus. This gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit baptism. And he says it's not just for particular people at particular times or for particular tasks. He says it's for everyone. It's for me. And it's for you and for you and for you and for you. And for those of you joining us online, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for us today. Now, I understand some of us weren't raised in church. You know, and some of us were raised in other theological traditions. And so, you know, some of us grew up hearing a lot about the Holy Spirit and his baptism. Others of us grew up hearing not too much about it. But for us as a Pentecostal church, Pentecostal basically just means this, that we believe that the Holy Spirit still moves and God still moves. And he empowers believers with the gift of this Holy Spirit, just like he did in the New Testament today. That's all that means. We believe that the God who was, is, and still is today. And we get to partner with him. Now, so whatever your background has been, my prayer for you as your pastor is that we would just all have this longing desire to say, God, whatever you have for me, I want it all. I love Jesus said that this is a gift from God. It's a gift. It's something for our benefit and to our advantage. Now, as we look to scriptures, 
And I just acknowledge this off the top. We get into theology, there's a lot of debate about this. When, when does the baptism happen? And is it congruent with uh, salvation and, and all of that? Uh, for us, as I look at scripture, I see two important events in every individual's life as they have an encounter with Jesus. The first event is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We call this salvation. We call this salvation. Now, this is the most amazing gift that God does for our lives. It says in scripture that we are changed from death to life. That we receive the promise and the hope of eternal life with Christ, but not just for the future, but for today. We talked last week about the indwelling Holy Spirit who comes into our life, who coaches us, guides us, convicts us of sin. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is basically the Holy Spirit creating in us to be more like Jesus, to look and to sound and to act more like Christ, that's the fruit of the Spirit. But there's another experience that we see take place in Scripture, and it contributes to the fullness of the Christian life. Contributes to the power that God has for us. It's the baptism of the Spirit. Now, baptism is about the partnering with the powerful person of the Holy Spirit for his gifts and his abilities. So we have baptism into Christ. First Corinthians actually says the Spirit baptizes us into Christ. We become one with Christ at salvation. We are part of one body. But then we see this baptism into the Holy Spirit where we experience the partnership and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look to Acts 8, if you have your Bibles with me. Acts 8. And we can sort of see this played out this way. Acts 8, 14. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The believers who put their faith, they received the message and they responded to it with faith. They put their faith and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then it says, Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I talked, like I said, we're going to talk more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit next week. But I think Jesus describes what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about better than anyone else. He says it's about refreshing. It's refreshing to know you're not alone. Jesus said you're going to have closeness with God. And it's refreshing to know that you're not on your own, that you're going to have God's strength available in your life. You're not alone. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 5 that John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says baptized, he uses the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo means to submerge or to immerse, to be totally drenched. When we baptize people in our church, that's why we do full immersion in water. Baptism means to be submerged. When we look at this Greek word baptizo in other historical contexts outside of the scriptures, we see it used to describe a ship that had been sunk. We looked at, uh, there's another use of it for a recipe for pickles. Take the cucumber and you baptize it in the brine. But how many know when you put a pickle in the brine, you just don't dip it in the brine, you put it in the brine, and what happens to that pickle? It becomes immersed, but not only immersed, it becomes um, flavorful, yes. Uh, I just lost my word. What, what is it? Saturated, saturated, right? 
Jesus says you're not going to just be like coated in the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be saturated in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in God. Remember, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. It doesn't get any closer than that. The Holy Spirit brings closeness to God because you will be immersed in God, saturated with God, surrounded by God. What a gift. So all of this leads up to the events that we read in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, if you remember, Jesus said, go and wait and pray and seek the Lord and he sends you this gift. In Acts chapter two, we see that this gift arrives. There was 120 in the upper room and they were praying. It says that what sounded like wind filled the room and tongues of fire, what looked like tongues of fire separated and descended upon each of their heads. Now, when I look at that, I notice that it's personal. There's 120 people in the upper room. We, we read that there's 12 disciples, that the, the disciples that already replaced Judah, Judas uh, with Matthias, they'd already replaced him. And we read later that Mary, Jesus' mother, that there was other women there, that Jesus' brothers were there. And all the believers, it says, were baptized. They were ordinary people like you and like me. And they were immersed in this personal encounter with God by the Holy Spirit. I believe that God has a personal encounter for each and every one of us today. Because each and every one of us need a deepened sense of God's closeness. We all need a fresh encounter with God. We all need to not just be coated in God, but we need to be saturated in God's presence today. Maybe you're going through a difficult season and you just need to know that God is with you. He's so close. Maybe if we're honest, it's been a while. We've been living off the spiritual experience of past years. Years ago, decades ago, when we think of encounters we've had with God, we've been living off of that, but we're not anticipating that fresh sense that God wants to encounter us today, but he does. And some of us have been living in sin and disobedience, so we need a fresh cleansing from God today. We all have different reasons, but we all need this sense of God's closeness. We all need to know that we're not alone, that the Holy Spirit is with us that God is with us. Not only will he be with us, but he indwells us by his Holy Spirit. It's not that you're not alone, but you're not on your own either, that you can have spiritual strength. In Acts 1 verse eight, Jesus says, and when this happens, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Now I recognize when we start talking about the power of God coming on us, some of us can get a little nervous. You know, some of us, uh, we feel like if we ask God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God's gonna make us do crazy things. Maybe you've heard rumors, you've seen videos of rolling on the floor, swinging on the chandeliers. You know, those, those Holy Spirit people are crazy. You know, we think that God's going to possess us and make us look foolish or do something. I, so I've, I've only been the pastor here for two and a half years. I've never seen anyone hang off the chandelier. Um, but maybe if you do, while you're up there, would you dust it for us and maybe change <laughs> some bulbs, you know? I, I, I don't know. Uh, I remember it makes us feel weird to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I remember one time I was using some power tools and as I went to unplug the saw, the, the plug had come out of the socket a little bit and as I went to unplug it, I tapped into its power. I grabbed the prongs by mistake. And as I grabbed the prongs of this plug, my arms started shaking and my hair went straight up. I'm pretty sure my eyes were glowing and I just was like, I need to go lie down. 
right? Some of us think tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit is going to make us respond in that way. And, and I don't see that. I know there's some stereotypes that many of us are afraid to ask Jesus for the baptism because we've heard of spiritual excesses. Uh, we've heard of things where people have exaggerated or even faked things and it scares us off. I want to say right now that God is unapologetically supernatural. Sometimes when we encounter the supernatural presence of God, it creates a response in us. I've had so many people say, I've come to church and I don't know why, I just can't stop crying. It's because we're having a, a whole life encounter, we're having a whole life encounter experience with God. Our, our natural flesh is meeting the supernatural power of God and it creates a response in us. And so I don't want to say what God can't do, but there's been a lot of things over the years where I'm like, I don't know how that brings glory to God necessarily. And so I don't want to apologize for the, 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 the realness of what God does. But Jesus said this is a gift, not something to be afraid of. Not something to shy away from. We can't let the abuse and misuse of spiritual gifts and God's power cause us to miss out on God's gift for our life. See, our response to misuse shouldn't be disuse, but it should be correction and proper use. So that's the place we've come to. We say, God, if you have a gift for us today, God, I want it. I want it. Whatever you have for me, God, I know it's good. I want it. That's part of my life. I know I need it. If you think I need it, God, I want it. It's to my advantage that you're giving me this gift. And Jesus said that it's a life-giving, refreshing gift, not cause for distress or disorder. It's not cause for distress or disorder. Now, maybe you grew up in a Pentecostal church and you heard that the word that God, that, uh, that Jesus said you'll receive power is the word dunamis. And dunamis means dynamite, dynamite power. And we think of this power of the Holy Spirit, but let's not get it backwards. Dynamite didn't exist in Jesus' day. When Jesus was thinking about dunamis power, he wasn't thinking about something that was gonna blow your life to pieces and cause all kinds of damage and, and you know, you know, cause damage to you and the people around you. He wasn't thinking of dynamite. He was thinking about the potential, though, of an explosive power that would be beyond anything that we could uh, generate on our own but use for the productivity of God's kingdom. I remember uh, Holly and I were at a, a service and, and you know, when people try to manipulate the things of God, they try to force it. And, and we were at the service and there's, you know, a prayer. Does anyone want to receive the baptism of the Spirit? You want the gift of the Spirit in your life? And there was a prayer time at the front and there's a little old granny and she was going around and she would punch people and stuff like, bless them, Lord, receive it, Lord. They were like, she was punching people and, like, you know, and we were like, oh, <laughs> like, now I need healing. I don't know what, you know. In a moment, we're going to respond to this gift that God has for us. But no one's going to push you on your head or no one's going to tell you words to say to try to get you to speak in tongues or, you know, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Hyundai, you know, whatever. We're not, none of that. See, the goal is not to get people to speak in tongues. Tongues isn't the goal. That's not the goal. The goal is to have a fresh encounter with the living God that brings closeness and strength. We need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And we gotta remember that the Holy Spirit's power is not just for us. But it says that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to speak in tongues, but that we would be able to speak to other people about Jesus with boldness and confidence. That's the goal. But we see that coming with the baptism of the Spirit also comes a wealth of blessing. It comes uh, the power of God for our lives as well. When, we've been com- when we're completely yielded to the Holy Spirit's guiding, even surrendering our mouths to speak to other people about God's goodness. When we're surrendering our mouth to speak, verse two says that all the believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as a, uh, for the first time. They began to speak in unknown languages to them and it says though that it brought glory to God because the language they were speaking was testifying of the goodness and greatness of God and other people from other areas of the world were hearing them speak and they heard them speaking in their own language and they're saying, what is happening in this place? And there's something so strange that it says that some people were amazed at what was happening. Other people thought that, you know, this is, this is crazy. You guys are you're like lunatics. You're like drunk. What, what's going on in this place? And Peter stands up and he says, this is what happens when the spirit encounters flesh, that you speak inspired words about God and his goodness and his blessing. I love that day. It says 3,000 people are added to the church in one day. Imagine if we had the boldness and courage to have this kind of influence in our community. You know, if you bring 3,000 people to the Lord this week, let us know so we can put more chairs out next week. It's going to be amazing. If there's ever a time in our lives where we needed to be bold enough to stand up and speak what God wants us to speak, it's now. We need that power. We need that courage. And it's for us to testify of God's goodness. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And this morning, my goal is simply this. I just want to have us a moment to reflect and to respond to the goodness of God. And to simply say, God, whatever you have for us, I want it. I want a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. We're gonna have a time to worship and draw close to Jesus. Maybe you're here in this place and you can say, you know, I just feel spiritually empty. I feel like I've got nothing in the tank. This is the moment we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you just fill me up? Maybe you've been going through a really dry season of your life and you're like, I just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm just living for God and I'm committed to, to God. I believe in God, but I found a lack of courage or a lack of boldness in my life. It seems like there's a power that, that maybe that God thinks that I need that I'm not having right now. I'm just saying, God, I, I want all that you have uh, of your Holy Spirit. And, and this is what happens. When we receive the baptism, it starts with us pursuing Jesus. Jesus said, go to that upper room. Don't leave there. Just go and wait. Pursue Jesus. What we do in this process is that we pursue Jesus. And I know that we only have a few moments this morning. I pray that this would be like an appetizer. It's like the pregame. Not the pregame to the Super Bowl. I'm saying this is the pregame where this week you're going to go to your house and you're going to say, you know what? That was so good Sunday. I need more of that. I need some time just to be in God's presence. I just want to pursue Jesus. As we pursue an active relationship with Jesus, worshiping, praying, seeking Jesus, that's what we do. We surrender our pride and our control to Him. And in this moment, it says that the Holy Spirit begins to fill you. That's what God does. You can't make it happen, it says that, but God does that. And it just is like a simple awareness of God in a way that you didn't have before. I just feel that God is in this room. He's in my life. He's speaking to me in a way I didn't sense before. He was going to fill you.
with freshness, fill you with his Holy Spirit. Now, I do want to talk about tongues, and I know that we kind of get in this weird spot. Tongues is weird for a lot of people, but it shouldn't be weird. And I just want to make this really simple for you. If you're in this place and I'm worshiping Jesus and I'm praying, I'm sensing the Spirit, perhaps God wants to give you the gift of tongues. And tongues is simply this. It's a heavenly language that we pray together. We pray together. So we do. We pursue Jesus. God does. He fills us. But we speak a heavenly language together. Remember, this is a divine partnership. These are the words that the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit is testifying of God's goodness with words that we uh, don't understand. But who spoke in Acts chapter 2? It says they spoke. They spoke words that were from God. There's no trance that happens. It's not like God possesses you and makes you start doing something you don't want to do. Most like, often, this is what I've experienced. It's just like I'm worshiping and a sound will come. It's just like this idea, a sound will come, and it sounds like a strange... Have you ever learned a language before? French, German, a different language, and it's like sounds, and it's like, it sounds awkward because you're like, these are weird sounds to me. I'm not familiar with them. I was talking to one person about two months ago. They were like, I'm just in the worship service, and no one was talking about the Holy Spirit or anything. I was just worshiping God, and, and all of a sudden, I started having this idea that God wanted me to, to say what was I was hearing in my heart. And he said, I just began to speak these words out quietly. I didn't want anyone to hear me, and it just began to flow out of me. That was the gift of tongues. Another lady said, I went home one afternoon, and or she said, one night I couldn't sleep. I got up in the middle of the night, and I went down to my porch, and I was just worshiping God. Just praying, and in that moment, something inside of me started stirring that I knew was God. I just began to speak. You know, that same lady, it was amazing. She said, I, She had a sick, a sick week this week. She's off work. She said, It was so great because I was off work, and for three days, I just got to pray and worship. She said, I was just exploring this new gift of speaking in tongues in my living room. It was, it was amazing. She said, Her husband forgot something, came home from work, and sort of, you know, surprised her. She's kind of, oh, Did you hear me when I was, I was praying in tongues? But tongues isn't the goal. But tongues is a gift that we shouldn't avoid either. But it's very simple. I just wanted to make it really simple for you. If you're worshiping, you're like, I think God's putting something that's like kind of underneath the surface a little bit. I just want to take a risk to speak that out. Maybe today you're going to be driving in your car and you're going to be thinking about being close to Jesus. And something's going to rise up inside of you. Maybe it's going to be this week at home. Maybe it'll be right here in this moment. I don't know. And I can guarantee you this. It's going to be weird and awkward. Because if you ever learn a new language... Like, you know, bonjour, comment ça va, comment allez-vous, right? You're just like, this sounds weird to me. It's French, in case you didn't know, that wasn't tongues. But, right, if you didn't know French, you'd be like, that, that sounds weird and awkward, you know? I'm learning this language, but it becomes something, uh, you know, probably you'll doubt it. You're like, I'm just making this up. This isn't real, you know? I just want to encourage you just to push past that and say, God, if this is a gift from you, I want all that you have for me. I'm going to trust you in it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. And then he says this, what should I do? I'll pray in my spirit and I'll pray with words I understand. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll also sing in words I understand. But at the end of the day, it's about this. God, I want the fullness of your gift. Everything you have, I want to be close to you. I want your power. I want all that you have and I want you to have all of me. So this morning, would you stand up all across this room? We're just going to turn this whole room into an altar. We're just going to pray. We're just going to worship God and say, God, come. Jesus, the Son, we thank you that you came and dwelt among us. You made that way. Holy Spirit, 
thank you for your ever-present help in times of trouble, God. I thank you, Jesus, for the closeness. Thank you for the gift of your spirit who indwells us, who baptizes us, who immerses us in God so we can be close to you and that we can have your power available in our lives. God, I realize, Lord, this power is about partnership with you, where we yield control, where we yield and submit to your leading in our lives, Lord. And I pray that brings fear to some of us. God, I pray that we would just be relaxed to know that this is a refreshing gift from you. It's to our advantage. It's for the power and purpose of your glory in our lives and in the world around us, God. We need to be bold and courageous. We need to be witnesses for you wherever we go. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that that would just be on our hearts today. Lord, fill us afresh. Whether it's our first encounter with the Holy Spirit, God, or whether it's uh, just a daily routine, Lord, let's be hydrated, as it were, filled with the Spirit today. Lord, I pray that this would be something that you speak to us about throughout this whole week. God, as we go home, Lord, let there be a hunger in our hearts to be closer to you. I pray, Lord, that we have a desire that we carve out some time. God, whether it's in our cars while we're driving, God, whether it's after the kids go to bed one night this week, God, whether we get up early in the morning before everyone else does, whatever it looks like for us, God, I pray that we have a fresh desire to meet with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come at this time. And, you know, we always love to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer. So if you're here, whether you want to be prayed for to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, maybe you're here, you want healing, or maybe there's some other need, they would love to pray for you. But otherwise, I pray that you have a great day. God bless you. Go in the power of the Spirit, and we'll see you next week.